Hello and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I want to share a word about the frog in the kettle as I comment on Judges 16, verses 18 through 20. This passage reads, And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed unto death. And he told her with all his heart, and he said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought her the money in their hands. And she made him asleep on her knees. And she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had left him. It's a common saying that ignorance is bliss. And another familiar sentiment is, what you don't know can't hurt you. But both of these old saws are often false, as we find out in our scripture for today. What Samson did not know came back to bite him, and it bit him hard. So what happened to Samson? Samson was a Nazarite, and God had been with him and had set him apart from the time of his birth to be a judge for Israel. And he judged Israel for 20 years. God had done some mighty works through him to protect his people. I mean, uh, he had killed a lion with his bare hands. He uh, killed 30 men of Ashkelon all by himself. He, he killed another 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. And uh, he broke the strongest ropes that the Philistines could find. He, he was just an amazing man. Yet... At the time he needed it most, his strength left him, and he was taken by the Philistines. To understand what happened, we must understand what Samson had become. Samson, you see, was the frog in the kettle, the classic case of the frog in the kettle. The Christian researcher George Barna once wrote a book entitled The Frog in the Kettle. This title comes from the idea that if a frog is placed into a kettle when the water is cool, it will not notice how the water grows ever and ever hotter when the heat is slowly turned up under it. Eventually, the frog would be boiled to death without ever knowing what was happening to it. Now, whether or not this is actually true or only a fable, it is a great parable to illustrate how our consciences can be hardened by small and gradual compromises over time. Noted author Josh McDowell has also commented on this tendency in the lives of Christians, and he calls it the law of diminishing returns. A little indiscretion, a little sin, is thrilling for a time, but then it begins to pale and becomes boring. And that prompts us to go a little bit farther over the line each time to get a greater thrill or satisfaction. 
and then again, and then again, and then again. Even some secular writers have observed this phenomenon. In his book, Delinquency and Drift, David Matza promoted the thesis that most felons simply drift little by little into a life of crime. If this chain of seemingly random and often minor events could be broken, then such an outcome could be averted. Now, a look at Judges 16 will reveal Samson's step-by-step fall into the abyss of failure. He associated with a harlot. He foolishly misused his great strength. He fell in love with an untrustworthy woman. And three times he teased Delilah like a moth dancing over the flames of a candle. And he once flew too close to the candle. He had fallen so far that he didn't even know it when a man had come in to cut his hair. And when he awoke, he didn't know that God had removed his power from him. He discovered to his dismay that there is a difference between a firefighter and a firebug, and there is a difference between a trash man and a trashy man. God had removed his power from him because of his drift into sin. Now, can this happen to us? Well, the New Testament says it can, as in 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter day, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Also, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9 says, But know this that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than loving of God, lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no farther, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. That's not good news, but blessedly the scriptures also tell us how to avoid this, as in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, which says... Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Also, in Ephesians 4, 17-23, Paul taught us this. He said, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, 
have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you will put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness." Finally, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 3, verses 12 through 15 urged us, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. As in the words of Jesus, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In conclusion, one of the most painful memories of parenthood for me was the time my son went on a day trip to the beach with our youth group from our church. Um, he spent all day shirtless on the beach in the broiling sun. And he really didn't realize how badly sunburnt he was becoming. When he got home that evening, he had to lie shirtless on his stomach in bed. And he had to do that for a couple of days until the pain became more bearable. He might should have gone to the hospital, but we, we didn't do that. But here's the truth. When we play with sin, we get burned. Even if it's little by little. Before I go, let me share my new book with you. Seminary taught me to be a pastor, but the Army taught me to be a leader. I would like to share how God melded those two skill sets in my new book, Decently and in Order. It's available now on Amazon in paperback and on Kindle. If you want to know more about effectively leading teams and events, check out Decently and in Order on Amazon.com. I believe you will find it eye-opening and helpful. That's Decently and in Order by Otis Corbett. Thanks for taking a look. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.